0: Chapter ten of Glengarry School Days This Librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Bruce Peary Glengarry School Days By Ralph Connor Chapter ten The Bear Hunt Is Don round, Mrs. Cameron? Mercy me, Hughie, did ye sleep in the woods? Come away in, ye are a sight for sore eyes. Come away in, and how's your mother and all? All right, thank you. Is Dawn in? Don, he's somewhere about the barn, but come away, man, there's a bit bannock here and some honey.' "'I'm in a hurry, Mrs. Cameron, and I can't very well wait,' said Hughie, trying to preserve an evenness of tone, and not allow his excitement to appear. "'Well, well, what's the matter, whatever? When Hughie refused a bit bannock and honey, something must be seriously wrong.' "'Nothing at all, but I'm just wanting Don for a—for something.' Well, well, just go to the old barn and cry at him. Hughie found Don in the old barn busy rigging up his plow, for the harvest was in and the fall plowing was soon to begin. Man, Don, cried Hughie in a subdued voice, it's the greatest thing you ever heard.
1: What is it now,
0: Hughie? You look fairly lifted. Have you seen a ghost? A ghost? No, something better than that, I can tell you. Hughie drew near and lowered his voice while Don worked on indifferently. "'It's a bear, Don.' Don dropped his plough. His indifference vanished. The Camerons were great hunters, and many a bear had they with their famous black dogs brought home in their day, but not for the past year or two, and never had Don bagged anything bigger than a fox or a coon. "'Where did you see him?' "'I didn't see him.' Don looked disgusted. But he was in our house last night. "'Look here now, stop that,' said Don, gripping Hughie by the jacket and shaking him. But Hughie's summer in the harvest field had built up his muscles, and so he shook himself free from Don's grasp and said, "'Look out there, I'm telling you the truth. Last night father was out late and the supper things were left on the table, some honey and stuff.' and after Father had been asleep for a while he was wakened by someone tramping about the house. He got up, came out of his room, and called out, "Jessie, where are the matches?' And just then there was an awful crash, and something hairy brushed past his leg in the dark and got out of the door. We all came down, and there was the table upset, the dishes all on the floor, and four great big deep scratches in the table. "'Pshaw, it must have been Fido.' Fido was in the barn and just mad to get out, and besides, the tracks are there yet behind the house. It was a bear, sure enough, and I'm going after him. You? Yes, and I want you to come with the dogs.' "'Oh, pshaw, dear knows where he'll be now,' said Don, considering. "'Like enough in the big swamp or in MacLeod's beech-bush. They're awful fond of beech-nuts, but the dogs can track him, can't they?' "'By Jingo, I'd like to get him,' said Don, kindling under Hughie's excitement. "'Wait a bit now. Don't say a word. If Murdy hears, he'll want to come sure, and we don't want him. You wait here till I get the gun and the dogs.' "'Have you got any bullets or slugs?' "'Yes, lots. Why, have you a gun?' "'Yes, you just bet. I've got our gun. What did you think I was going to do, put salt on his tail? I've got it down the lane.' "'All right, you wait there for me.' "'Don't be long,' said Hughie, slipping away. It was half an hour before Don appeared with the gun and the dogs. "'What in the world kept you? I thought you were never coming,' said Hughie impatiently. "'I tell you, it's no easy thing to get away with mother on hand, but it's all right. Here's your bullets and slugs. I've brought some bannocks and cheese. We don't know when we'll get home. We'll pick up the track in your brûlée. Does anyone know you're going?' No, only Fusey. He wanted to come, but I wouldn't have it. Fusey gets so excited. Hughie's calmness was not phenomenal. He could hardly stand still for two consecutive seconds. Well, let's go, and Don set off on a trot with one of the black dogs in leash and the other following, and after him came Hughie, running lightly. In twenty minutes they were at the manse clearing. Now, said Don, pulling up, where did you say you saw his track? Just back of the house there, and round the barn, and then straight for the brulee. The boys stood looking across the fallen timber toward the barn. There's Fido barking," said Hughie. "I bet he's on the scent now." "Yes," answered Don. "And there's your father too." "Jiminy cricket!" So it is," said Hughie slowly. "I don't think it's worth while going up there to get that track. Can't we get it just as well in the woods here?" there were always things to do about the house and besides the minister knew nothing of hughie's familiarity with the gun and hence would soon have put a stop to any such rash venture as bear hunting the boys waited listening to fido who was running back and forward between the brulee and the house barking furiously the minister seemed interested in fido's maneuvers and followed him a little way Man, said "Hughie, in a whisper, perhaps he'll go and look for the gun himself, and Fido will find us, sure. I say, let's go. Let's wait a minute, said Don, to see what direction Fido takes, and then we'll put our dogs on. In a few minutes Hughie breathed more freely, for his father seemed to lose his interest in Fido, and returned slowly to the house. Now, said Hughie, let's get down into the brulee as near Fido as we can get. Cautiously the boys made their way through the fallen timber, keeping as much as possible under cover of the underbrush. But though they hunted about for some time, the dogs evidently got no scent, for they remained quite uninterested in the proceedings. "'We'll have to get up closer to where Fido is,' said Don, and the sooner we get there, the better. "'I suppose so,' said Hughie. "'I suppose I had better go. Fido will stop barking for me.' so while Don lay hid with the dogs in the brulee hughie stole nearer and nearer to fido who was still chasing down toward the brulee and back to the house as if urging some one to come forth and investigate the strange scent he had discovered gradually hughie worked his way closer to fido until within calling distance just as he was about to whistle for the dog the back door opened and forth came the minister again by this time fido had passed into the brulee a little way and could not be seen from the house it was an anxious moment for hughie he made a sudden desperate resolve he must secure fido now or else give up the chance of getting on the trail of the bear So he left his place of hiding, and bending low, ran swiftly forward, until Fido caught sight of him, and, hearing his voice, came to him, barking loudly and making every demonstration of excitement and joy. He seized the dog by the collar and dragged him down, and after holding him quiet for a moment, hauled him back to Don. "'We'll have to take him with us,' he said. "'I'll put this string on his collar, and he'll go all right.' and to this don agreed though very unwillingly for he had no confidence in fido's hunting ability i tell you he's a great fighter said hughie if we should ever get near that bear oh pshaw said don he may fight dogs well enough but when it comes to a bear it's a different thing every dog is scared of a bear the first time he sees him well i bet you fido won't run from anything said hughie confidently to their great relief they saw the minister set off in the opposite direction across the fields thank goodness he's off to the macraes said hughie now then said don we'll go back to the track there and put the dogs on you go on with fido and hughie set off with fido pulling eagerly upon the string When they reached the spot where Fido had been seized by Huey, suddenly the black dog who had been following Don at some distance stopped short and began to growl. In a moment his mate threw up his nose and began sniffing about, the hair rising stiff upon his back. He's catching it, said Don, in an excited tone. Here, you hold him. I must get the other one or he'll be off. He was not a minute too soon, for the other dog who had been ranging about suddenly found the trail, and with a fierce short bark was about to dash off when Don threw himself upon him. In a few moments both dogs were on the leash, and set off upon the scent at a great pace. The trail was evidently plain enough to the dogs, for they followed hard, leading the boys deeper and deeper into the bush he's making for the big swamp said don and on they went with eyes and ears on the alert expecting every moment to hear the snort of a bear or to meet him on the further side of every bunch of underbrush for an hour they went on at a steady trot over and under fallen logs splashing through water-holes crashing over dead brushwood and tearing through the interlacing boughs of the thick underbrush of spruce and balsam the black dogs never hesitated they knew well what was their business there and that they kept strictly in mind fido on the other hand who loved to roam the woods in an aimless hunt for any and every wild thing that might cross his nose but who never had seriously hunted anything in particular trotted good-naturedly behind hughie with rather a bored expression on his face the trail which had led them steadily north all at once turned west and away from the swamp say said don he's making for Allan gorrick's cabin man said hughie that would be fine to get him there it's good and open too too open by a long way grunted don we'd never get him there sure enough the dogs led up from the swamp and along the path to Allan's cabin the door stood open and in answer to don's hurrah alan came out what now he said glowering at don you won't be wanting any dogs to-day, Alan," said Don politely. Alan glanced at him suspiciously, but said not a word. These are very good dogs indeed, Alan. Go on your ways now," said Alan. These black ones are not in very good condition, but Fido there is a good fat dog. Alan's wrath began to rise. Will you be going on now about your business? Better take them, Alan. There's a hard winter coming on. Macondiavile cried Alan, in a shrill voice, suddenly bursting into fury, I will be having your heart's blood, he cried, rushing into his cabin. Come on, Hughie, cried Don, and away they rushed, following the black dogs upon the trail of the bear. Deeper and deeper into the swamp the dogs led the way, the going becoming more difficult, and the underbrush thicker at every step after an hour or two of hard work the dogs began to falter and ran hither and thither now on one scent and then on another till tired out and disgusted don held them in and threw himself down upon the soft moss that lay deep over everything we're on his old tracks here said don savagely and you can't pick out the new from the old his hole must be somewhere not too far away said hughie Yes, perhaps it is, but then again it may be across the ridge. At any rate, we'll have some grub. As they ate the bannocks and cheese, they pictured to themselves what they should do if they ever should come up with the bear. One thing we've got to be careful of, said Don, and that is not to lose our heads. That's so, assented Hughie, feeling quite cool and self-possessed at the time. Because if you lose your head, you're done for, continued Don. Remember Ken McGregor? no said hughie didn't you ever hear that why he ran into a bear and made a drive at him with his axe but the bear with one paw knocked the axe clear out of his hand and with one sweep of the other tore his insides right out they're mighty cute too went on don they'll pretend to be almost dead just to coax you near enough and then they'll spin round on their hind legs like a rooster if they ever do catch you the only thing to do is to lie still and make believe you're dead and then, unless they're very hungry, they won't hurt you much. After half an hour's rest, the hunting instinct awoke again within them, and the boys determined to make another attempt. After circling about the swamp for some time, the boys came upon a beaten track which led straight through the heart of the swamp. "'I say,' said Don, "'this is going to strike the ridge somewhere just about there.' Pointing northeast, and if we don't see anything between here and the ridge, we'll strike home that way. It'll be better walking than this cursed swamp, anyway. Are you tired? Hughie refused to acknowledge any weariness. Well, then, I am, said Don. The trail was clear enough, and they were able to follow at a good pace, so that in a few minutes, as they had expected, they struck the northeast end of the swamp. Here again they called a halt, and, tying up the dogs, lay down upon the dry brown leaves, lazily eating the beech nuts and discussing their prospects of meeting the bear, and their plans for dealing with him. "'Well, let's go on,' at length said Don. "'There's just a chance of our meeting him on this ridge. He's got a den somewhere down in the swamp, and he may be coming home this way. Besides, it'll take us all our time now to get home before dark.' i guess there's no use keeping the dogs any longer we'll just let them go so saying don let the black dogs go free but after a little skirmishing through the open beech woods the dogs appeared to lose all interest in the expedition and kept close to don's heels fido on the other hand followed ranging the woods on either side cheerfully interested in scaring up rabbits groundhogs and squirrels he had never known the rapture of bringing down big game and so was content with whatever came his way at length the hunters reached the main trail where their paths separated but a little of the swamp still remained and on the other side was the open clearing this is your best way said don pointing out the path to hughie we had bad luck to-day but we'll try again we may meet him still you know so don't fire at any squirrel or anything if i hear a shot i'll come to you and you do the same by me i say said hughie where does this track of mine come out is it below the deep hole there or is it on the other side of the clearing why don't you know said don this runs right up to the back of the fisher's berry patch and through the sugar-bush to your own clearing i'll go with you if you like oh pshaw said hughie i'll find it all right come on fido but fido had disappeared good-night don good-night said don mind you don't fire unless it's at a bear i'll do the same in a few minutes hughie found himself alone in the thick underbrush of the swamp the shadows were lying heavy and the sunlight that still caught the tops of the tall trees was quite lost in the gloom of the low underbrush deep moss underfoot with fallen trees and thick-growing balsam and cedars made the walking difficult and every step Hughie wished himself out in the clearing he began to feel too the oppression of the falling darkness he tried whistling to keep up his courage but the sound seemed to fill the whole woods about him and he soon gave it up after a few minutes he stood still and called for fido But the dog had gone on some hunt of his own, and with a sense of deeper loneliness he set himself again to his struggle with the moss and brush and fallen trees. At length he reached firmer ground, and began with more cheerful heart to climb up to the open. Suddenly he heard a rustle, and saw the brush in front of him move. "'Oh, there you are, you brute,' he cried. "'Come in here, come in, Fido, here, sir.' he pushed the bushes aside and his heart jumped and filled his mouth a huge black shape stood right across his path not ten paces away a moment they gazed at each other and then with a low growl the bear began to sway awkwardly toward him hughie threw up his gun and fired the bear paused snapping viciously and tearing at his wounded shoulder and then rushed on hughie without waiting to rise on his hind legs like a flash hughie dodged behind the brush and then fled like the wind toward the open looking over his shoulder he saw the bear shambling after him at a great pace and gaining at every jump and his heart froze with terror the balsams and spruces were all too low for safety a little way before him he saw a small birch if he could only make that he might escape summoning all his strength he rushed for the tree the bear closing fast upon him could he spring up out of reach of the bear's awful claws two yards from the tree he heard an angry snap and snarl at his heels with a cry he dropped his gun and springing for the lowest bough drew up his legs quickly after him with the horrible feeling of having them ripped asunder to his amazement he found that the bear was not scrambling up the tree after him, but was still some paces off, with Fido skirmishing at long range. It was Fido's timely nip that had brought him to a sudden halt, and allowed Hughie to make his climb in safety. "'Good dog, Fido! Sick him! Sick him, old fellow!' cried out Hughie but fido was new to this kind of warfare and at every jump of the raging brute he fled into the brush with his tail between his legs returning however to the attack as the bear retired after driving fido off the bear rushed at the tree and in a fury began tearing up its roots then as if realizing the futility of this he flung himself upon its trunk and began shaking it with great violence from side to side Huey soon saw that the tree would not long stand such an attack. He slipped down to the lowest bough so that his weight might be taken from the swaying top, and, encouraging Fido, awaited results. He found himself singularly cool. Having escaped immediate danger, the hunter's instinct awoke within him, and he longed to get that bear if he only had his gun he would soon settle him but the bear unfortunately had possession of that he began hurriedly to cut off as stout a branch as he could to make himself a club he was not a moment too soon for the bear realizing that he could neither tear up the tree by the roots nor shake his enemy out of it decided apparently to go up for him He first set himself to get rid of Fido, which he partially succeeded in doing by chasing him a long distance off. Then, with a great rush, he flew at the tree, and with amazing rapidity began to climb. Hughie, surprised by this swift attack, hastened to climb to the higher branches, but in a moment he saw that this would be fatal. Remembering that the bear is like the dog in his sensitive parts, he descended to meet his advancing foe, and, reaching down, hit him a sharp blow on the snout. With a roar of rage and surprise the bear let go his hold, slipped to the ground, and began to tear up the earth, sneezing violently. "'Oh, if I only had that gun,' groaned Huey, "'I'd get him. And if he gets away after Fido again, I believe I'll try it.' the bear now set himself to plan some new form of attack he had been wounded but only enough to enrage him and his fury served to fix more firmly in his head the single purpose of getting into his grip this enemy of his in the tree whom he appeared to have so nearly at his mercy whatever his new plan might be a necessary preliminary was getting rid of fido and this he proceeded to do round about the trees he pursued him getting farther and farther away from the birch till hughie watching his chance slipped down the tree and ran for his gun but no sooner had he stooped for it than the bear saw the move and with an angry roar rushed for him once more hughie sprang for his branch but the gun caught in the boughs and he slipped to the ground the bear within striking distance with a cry he sprang again reached his bow and drew himself up holding his precious gun safe wondering how he had escaped again it was fido that had saved him for as the bear had gathered himself to spring fido seeing his chance rushed boldly in and flinging himself upon the hind leg of the enraged brute held fast it was the boy's salvation but alas it was fido's destruction for wheeling suddenly the bear struck a swift downward blow with his powerful front paw and tore the whole side of the faithful brute wide open with a howl poor fido dragged himself away out of reach and lay down moaning pitifully the bear realizing that he had got rid of one foe now proceeded more cautiously to deal with the other and began warily climbing the tree keeping his wicked little eyes fixed upon Hughie. Meantime Hughie was loading his gun with all speed. He emptied his powder-horn into the muzzle, and with the bear coming slowly nearer, began to search for his bullets. Through one pocket after another his trembling fingers flew, while with the butt of his gun he menaced his approaching enemy. "'Where are those bullets?' he groaned. "'Ah, here they are,' diving into his trousers' pocket." of a place to keep them too, he took a handful of slugs and bullets poured them into his gun rammed down a wadding of leaves upon all retreating as he did so to the higher limbs the bear following him steadily but just as he had his cap securely fixed upon the nipple the bear suddenly revealed his plan holding by his front paws he threw his hind legs off from the trunk it was his usual method of felling trees the tree swayed and bent till the top almost touched the ground but hughie with his legs wreathed round the trunk brought his gun to his shoulder and with its muzzle almost touching the breast of the hanging brute pulled the trigger There was a terrific report. The bear dropped in a heap from the tree, and Hughie was hurled violently to the ground some distance away, partially stunned. He raised himself to see the bear struggle up to a sitting position, and, gnashing his teeth and flinging blood and foam from his mouth, began to drag himself toward him. He was conscious of a languid indifference, and found himself wondering how long the bear would take to cover the distance. But while he was thus cogitating there was a sharp quick bark and a great black form hurled itself at the bear's throat and bore the fierce brute to the ground drawing in a long sigh, Hughie sank back to the ground with the sound of a far-away shot in his ears and darkness veiling his eyes. He was awakened by Don's voice anxiously calling him, Are you hurt much, Hughie? Did he squeeze you? Hughie sat up, blinking stupidly. What? he asked. Who? Why, the bear, of course. The bear? No, man, it's too bad you weren't here, Don, he went on, rousing himself. He can't be gone far. Not very, said Don, laughing loud. Yonder he lies. Hughie turned his head and gazed, wondering— at the great black mass over which Don's black dogs were standing guard and sniffing with supreme satisfaction then all came back to him where's fido he asked rising yes it was fido saved me for sure he tackled the bear every time he rushed at me and hung on to him just as i climbed the tree the second time as he spoke he walked over to the place where he had last seen the dog a little farther on, behind a spruce tree, they found poor Fido, horribly mangled and dead. Hughie stooped down over him. Poor old boy, poor old Fido, he said in a low voice, stroking his head. Don turned away and walked whistling toward the bear. As he sat beside the black carcass, his two dogs came to him. He threw his arms round them, saying, Poor old blackie, poor nigger. And he understood how Hughie was feeling behind the spruce tree beside the faithful dog that had given him his life. As he sat there waiting for Hughie, he heard voices. Hurro! he shouted. Where are you? Is that you, Don? It was his father's voice. Yes, here we are. Is Hughie there? inquired another voice. "'Losh, me, that's the minister,' said Don. "'Yes, all right,' he cried aloud, as up came Long John Cameron and the minister, with Fusey and a stranger bringing up the rear. "'Fine work, this. You're fine fellows indeed,' cried Long John, frightening people in this way. "'Where is Hughie?" said the minister sternly. Hughie came from behind the brush, hurriedly wiping his eyes. "'Here, father,' he said and what are you doing here at this hour of the night pray said the minister angrily turning toward him i couldn't get home very well replied hughie and why not pray don't begin any excuses with me sir nothing annoyed the minister as an attempt to excuse ill-doing i guess he would have been glad enough to have got home half an hour ago sir broke in don laughing look there he pointed to the bear lying dead with nigger standing over him THE LORD SAVE US, SAID LONG JOHN CAMERON, HIMSELF THE GREATEST AMONG THE HUNTERS OF THE COUNTY. WHAT DO YOU SAY? AND HOW DID YOU GET HIM? GERUPITER, HE'S A GRAND ONE. THE OLD MAN, THE MINISTER, AND DON WALKED ABOUT THE BEAR IN ADMIRING PROCESSION. "Yon's A TERRIBLE GASH, SAID LONG JOHN, POINTING TO THE GAPING WOUND IN THE BREAST. WAS THAT YOUR SNIDER, DON? NOT A BIT OF IT, FATHER. THE BEAR'S Hughie's. HE KILLED HIM HIMSELF. "'Lash me, and you don't tell me. And how did you manage that, Hughie? "'He chased me up that tree, and I guess would have got me, only for Fido.' The minister gasped. "'Got you? Was he as near as that?' "'He wasn't three feet away,' said Hughie, and with that he proceeded to give, in his most graphic style, a description of his great fight with the bear.' When I heard the first shot, said Don, I was away across the swamp. I tell you, I tore back here, and when I came, what did I see but Hughie and Mr. Bear, both sitting down and looking coolly at each other a few yards apart, and then nigger downed him, and I put a bullet into his heart. Don was greatly delighted and extremely proud of Hughie's achievement, and how did you know about it? asked Don of his father. It was the minister here came after me. ''Yes,'' said the minister, ''it was Fusey told me you had gone off on a bear-hunt, and so I went along to the Camerons, with Mr. Craven here, to see if you had got home.'' Meantime Mr. Craven had been looking Hughie over. ''Mighty plucky thing,'' he said, ''great nerve,'' and he lapsed into silence, while Fusey could not contain himself but danced from one foot to the other with excited exclamations. The minister had come out intending, as he said, to teach that boy a lesson that he would remember, but as he listened to Hughie's story, his anger gave place to a great thankfulness. It was a great mercy, my boy, he said at length, when he was quite sure of his voice, that you had Fido with you. Yes, indeed, father, said Hughie. It was Fido saved me. It was the Lord's goodness, said the minister, solemnly and a great mercy said long john that your lad kept his head and showed such courage you have reason to be proud of him the minister said nothing just then but at home when recounting the exploit to the mother he could hardly contain his pride in his son never thought the boy would have a nerve like that he's so excitable i had rather he killed that bear than win a medal at the university The mother sat silent through all the story, her cheek growing more and more pale, but not a word did she say until the tale was done, and then she said, Who delivereth thee from destruction? A little like David, mother, wasn't it? said Hughie. but though there was a smile on his face, his manner and tone were earnest enough. Yes, said his mother, a good deal like David, for it was the same God that delivered you both. Rather hard to cut Fido out of his share of the glory, said Mr. Craven, not to speak of a cool head and a steady nerve. Mrs. Murray regarded him for a moment or two in silence, as if meditating an answer. But finally she only said, We shall cut no one out of the glory due to him at the supper-table the whole affair was discussed in all its bearings in this discussion hughie took little part making light of his exploit and giving most of the credit to fido and the mother wondered at the unusual reserve and gravity that had fallen upon her boy indeed hughie was wondering at himself he had a strange new feeling in his heart he had done a man's deed and for the first time in his life he felt it unnecessary to glory in his deeds. He had come to a new experience, that great deeds need no voice to proclaim them. During the thrilling moments of that terrible hour he had entered the borderland of manhood, and the awe of that new world was now upon his spirit it was chiefly this new experience of his that was sobering him but it helped him not a little to check his wonted boyish exuberance that at the table opposite him sat a strange young man across whose dark magnetic face there flitted now and then a lazy cynical smile hughie feared that lazy smile and he felt that it would shrivel into self-contempt any feeling of boastfulness. The mother and Hughie said little to each other, waiting to be alone, and after Hughie had gone to his room his mother talked long with him. But when mr Craven, on his way to bed, heard the low quiet tones of the mother's voice through the shut door, he knew it was not to Hughie she was speaking and the smile upon his face lost a little of its cynicism next day there was no smile when he stood with hughie under the birch tree watching the lad hew flat one side but gravely enough he took the paper on which hughie had written fido september thirteenth eighteen blank saying as he did so i shall cut this for you It is good to remember brave deeds. End of chapter ten.